This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. Listen, I hope each one of you have been able to, this summer, I hope everybody's been able to get away and just enjoy some time with your family. Uh, I, I encourage you to do that if, if you have not. You need some time to just enjoy your family, your children. And uh, Stephanie and I both hope you just really have a wonderful uh, vacation together this summer. But listen, we're talking about uh, the last couple of weeks. I've talked about what it takes to be a growing church. Not just a swollen church, but a growing church, a healthy growing church and I want to continue that this morning I, I thought I would preach to you out of the story of Gideon again today but the Lord kind of changed my direction and and I want you to turn your Bibles to 2nd Samuel chapter 23 2nd Samuel chapter 23 I'm going to share just a few thoughts with you this morning I want to talk to you about a message this morning entitled, Stand and Defend. Stand and Defend. 2 Samuel 23, I'm going to read verses 9 through 10, just two verses. Verse 9 says, and after him, this is talking about the three mighty men of David. This is one of them we're going to talk about today. It says, and after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David that defied the Philistines that were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel had retreated. And Eleazar arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. Some translations say his hand froze to the sword. And the Lord brought a great victory that day. And then the people of Israel returned after him only to plunder. The New Living Translation says the written that in that last part of that verse, the rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the spoils. Father, I ask you this morning, Lord, as your word goes forth, God, that you would speak to us, God, that you would allow it to become life inside of us today, God. Lord, that your kingdom would be built up in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 11 also gives us an account of this story. And it shares just a little something in, in Second Chronicles 11 that, that 1 Samuel does not. It says that the place that they were defending was a field full of barley in other words there was a harvest that was being defended and church I want to tell you if you don't 
believe this today. You need to look around in the nation, in the world that we live in. As saints of God, we need to stand and defend the end-time harvest of today. Make no mistake about it that the enemy is after the harvest. Time is winding up in this earth. I, I realize that there have been preachers that have stood in pulpits thousands of years ahead of me and they have preached that same thing that time is winding up that Jesus is coming back but I want to tell you today that never in the history of man has any generation seen signs coming to pass as quickly as we are seeing them Jesus is about to return he's about to return and Satan also recognizes that his time is growing short. And make no mistake about it, he wants the harvest. He wants the harvest of young people. He wants the harvest of the unsaved husband or the unsaved wife or the unsaved grandchild. He wants the harvest. And if we're going to be a growing church, we've got to stand and defend the harvest. It's not an easy job. Last week I preached on call back to active duty. What kind of shape would we be in as a country today if all the men of the World War II era were just called to active duty, but they had never stood and defended? Maybe we wouldn't even be a free country today. Not enough to answer the call but we've got to be a church that stands and defends. The enemy has been after the harvest since the beginning of time. Now I want to share with you a little bit about this area and this story, this setup. This takes place in a valley called Ephes Damim, meaning the border of blood. It was a place of constant conflict. It was a place where the good and the evil seemed to always meet to fight it out. And I don't know what your life may resemble, but I see that there's always conflict that will always try to come in. There's always conflict that always tries to enter into the church, into our life, to keep us from going forward in kingdom work. And this area was called the border of blood. It was the scene of many bloody conflicts. It was the scene of the same place that David went and slew Goliath. The Philistines, even though they were defeated time and time again, they seemed to pop back up and meet them in the same place. Has anybody ever had anything that seemed to just pop back up out of nowhere? You thought you had it conquered. You thought you had it under control. But it shows back up again. And here we find Eleazar, and he's willing to go out and confront the problem. This is something I want you to understand today. You can never conquer it if you won't confront it. Regardless of what your issue that you deal with in your life, you can never conquer it if you won't confront it. 
Our nature sometimes is to kind of, well, we'll, we'll worry about that later. Let me t- if you worry about it later, it just grows into a bigger problem. And Eleazar finds himself, the Bible says, that he goes out to defy the Philistines. And it says that all the men of Israel that were with him retreated. So he and David alone are left there in that place. And I want to give you several points about this story and about this man that if we are a church that, that is able to have the strength to stand and defend, there are several things that we can glean off of this story today. And the first thing I want you to understand is that God uses misfits. God uses misfits. Does anybody remember this would be borderline VIP people right here. But does anybody remember the old Rudolph movie at Christmas? And they had the island of misfit toys. Does anybody remember that? And the misfit toys thought they couldn't be used for anything. But can I tell you that the God that you and I serve... He uses misfits. You see, if you look back in 1 Samuel chapter 22, you'll find out that Eleazar was one of the 400 men that came to David in the cave of Adullam. And this is what the Bible says about the men that came to the cave. They were in debt, they were distressed, and they were discouraged. Man, what an exciting thing to get a group of men like that to come on board with you. What if we were to put an advertisement out and say, we're looking for new members. We would like everyone that's in debt, everyone that's distressed, and everyone that's discouraged, please come in here. But nevertheless, God sends distressed, indebted, discouraged men to David. And Eleazar is one of the men. He's a misfit. He's an outcast. He's living in the cave of Abdullam. Abdullam actually means the place of the squeeze. In other words, he came to a place where he was squeezed to the point that he didn't have anything else to do but submit himself to the king. You see, he knew, the 400 men knew that David really was the anointed one and only king that would reign. And they come in and they submit themselves to the king. They were squeezed in life to the place that they didn't have anywhere else to return to other than him. And I want to tell you today that we need to recognize that we are all misfits. We all have our problems. Let's face it, we're all handicapped in some way. But can I tell you today that God can bring a great victory through you if you will just submit yourself to Him. I don't care how in debt you are today, how distressed you may be, or how discouraged you are. God can do something great in your life and bring a great, great victory from you. David says in Psalms 119, Lord, your promise revives me and comforts me in all of my trouble. I want to remind somebody today that God often promoted from the pit and not the pedestal. If you go through the history of the Bible, God promoted men that were in a pit. 
He took Joseph, who was an outcast by his brothers, thrown into a pit, almost murdered by his brothers, then sold as a slave. He was thrown into jail. He he went through thing after thing, trouble after trouble, but all of a sudden we see that Joseph himself is put in the place of preserving the seed of the Lion of Judah. He's placed in a position to actually preserve the seed of Christ. And he was promoted from a pit. Eleazar was promoted from a cave. I find it interesting that he didn't even go to a help group. He didn't have a small group to connect to. And I'm not against any of this thing, so don't anybody take me out of context. My point is, He decided, you know what? I'm going to do something about where I am. I may be a misfit, but I'm tired of being a misfit. I'm ready to get on board, and I'm ready to stand and defend what God has called me. I'm ready to go in service for the king. I'm ready to draw my sword on behalf of the king. You see, sometimes people that are misfits... They don't really want to change because whatever their problem is becomes their crutch. You can't get deliverance from demons that you enjoy hanging around. I'm not going to meddle too much into that because I may go just on a rabbit trail. But listen, if you want deliverance from something in your life, sometimes you've just got to gird up your own loins and say, God, I'm going to make a change. I'm not going to call anybody. I'm not going to put it on. I'm not going to start a prayer chain. I'm not going to start a a chain letter. I'm just going to make some change happen in my life. And that's where we find Eliezer. He begins to make a change. He's a misfit, but he begins to serve. God uses misfits. The second thing I want you to see about him is that he understood the need to sometimes stand alone. The Bible says that the whole church walked out but him. What it says, all the men of Israel retreated other than him. And I want to tell you, uh, just him and the king. And can I tell you that there will be many times, even in a great church like Life Fellowship, that you're going to be in service for the king, but you're going to feel like you're all alone. Maybe you're serving in children's ministry. Maybe you're, you're an usher. Or maybe you're working in sound or on the praise team or, or, or in Sunday school. or Wherever it may be, you may be just doing something for the Lord and you'll feel like you're standing all alone. You'll feel like there's not anybody else to help. But I want to tell you, sometimes God wants to bring you away from everybody else because when it's just you and Him, when you're left there with the King by yourself, you're able to put your focus on Him and recognize it's not through man, it's not through myself, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. God wants you to recognize today that He can do something through you when He gets you alone by yourself. You see, the king is all about the harvest. 
I want you to understand that today about the Lord. He is all about the harvest. Everything that's been done since the beginning of time has been about the harvest. Since Jesus died on the cross, it's been about the harvest. Jesus wants every person in this place. He wants every person in the city limits of Hearst and Euless and North Richland Hills and Colleyville in the whole metroplex. He wants everybody to be part of the end time harvest of the Lord the king is about the harvest and sometimes when you're working in the harvest field you're going to feel alone I, I want to tell you, if, when you're, if you look at a farmer, a farmer spends a lot of days working in the field, plowing or planting by himself. But I want to tell you, if the church will just stand up and say, I'm not worried about it if it's just me and the king, but I'm looking to the end. I'm looking for the reward that is to come because I want to tell you, there is a reward that's coming to the saints that stand. God is saying to us today, be willing to stand even if you are alone. Uh, there was no hesitation. The Bible says that everybody left. He's left in the middle of a field by himself. But he was so sold out to the king that he was willing to defend his cause. Even though he was exposed, no protection, nowhere to hide, he was so sold out to the king, he was willing to stand. And I want to ask you something this morning in this place. How sold out are you to the king? I'm not talking about your Sunday morning attendance or your Wednesday night attendance. I'm talking about in your heart. How sold out are you to the king? Because he, he, he says, I, I'm, I'm going to just stand even though everybody, listen, there'll be times in ministry that everybody else seems to pull back, but God's looking for somebody that says, I will stand my ground. Some of you remember that old song? I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. God's looking for Christians. God's looking for people that will stand and not be moved. People that are sold out. You see, the true character of a man or a woman is seen when they're left standing alone. You won't see my true character when we got 300 people in this place. And I'm just smiling from ear to ear because it's jam-packed and the ushers can't find anybody, anywhere for anybody to sit. But you let us run a Sunday where we got about 75 people in here. You'll find out what I'm made of. Come on, I'm just being honest. Because our character gets tested through, through trial, through, through pressing, through the squeeze. When we begin to realize, God, I'm relying on you. I'm not relying on myself, God, but I am relying on you. To be a growing church, we've got to get to the place where we're willing to stand in the face of everything. We're willing to say, God, I, I'm willing for my character to be tested. Because, God, I'm sold out to you. And as a side note to this point, I find something interesting. 
The end of that verse says the rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect all the spoils. That means that one man did the work, but the rest of the church showed back up on Sunday morning and they enjoyed all the fruits of the one man's labor. And this is the amazing thing. Eleazar didn't pitch a fit. He didn't, he didn't get on Facebook and say the nerve of some people. The Bible says that the rest of the church returned and they just enjoyed the fruits of what he did. They, they actually collected some of the spoil, some of the bounty, the fruits of his labor, but the Bible says he gave all glory to God. So we've got to be careful, church, if we're one of those that's willing to stand. We're willing to do what God asks us to do. Even when everybody else falls away, be careful that pride doesn't come in. Because, because the first time that we begin to focus on who didn't pull their load, that means we've directed the glory back to us. And all the glory belongs to God. Well, Pastor, I, you just don't understand. I, I, worked, I worked 87 hours on VBS. The very fact that you kept up with your hours. Come on. God deserves all the glory. God deserves all the glory. Some people... Or just along for the ride. And that's the way, I, I hate to tell you something this morning. That's the way it's always going to be. I don't care if it's at Life Fellowship or Joel Osteen's church or T.D. Jake's church or Jensen Franklin's church, Jimmy Swagger's church. I don't care where you go. You're always going to have some people that are just along for the ride. But I can tell you that there's coming a day I'm not going to be judged about what everybody else is doing, what any other church is doing. God want God to look at me and I want to hear those words well done my good and my faithful servant I want to tell you trust God to give you the strength to accomplish what you need to accomplish for him he was willing to stand alone this last thing I want you to get is he was one with his sword I want you to just picture he had wielded that sword so long in battle that his muscles anybody ever had a cramp where you maybe your fingers or your toes I mean they cramp up you can't move them that's what took place that's what this scripture is talking about his hand he, he had gripped it so long and so tight that he, he his muscles just retracted and he was frozen to the sword in other words even when he got tired, even when he wanted to let go, even when he was hungry, even when he saw another one coming, even though he thought he may be defeated, it was, it, the sword became part of him. 
it became second nature. Even though he may have wanted to say, well, I'm just, I'm just done. I'm, 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 I'm going to put it down. The sword had become part of him because he had gripped it so long and so tight. Even when his own natural man-like nature wanted to let go, the sword was such a part of him, he couldn't. He, 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 the only thing he could do was just continue to stand because he said well the sword brought me this far I believe the sword will see my way out and church I want to tell you today one of the problems we have in the church that we don't have enough Christians that are one with their sword if, if you're one with your sword you won't have as many crisis situations where you don't know what to do you won't have as many panic attacks when something comes your way because you become one with the sword. Uh, even though when you feel like giving up, you become one with the sword because you begin to open it and you begin to read it. The Bible says that you should hide God's Word in your heart. Jeremiah 15, 16 says this, Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me joy and delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. God's word needs to be a weapon that becomes part of who we are. It doesn't need to be something. I, I, I know I, doing uh, construction work, most of my life, I would go into homes to remodel, and I would see family Bibles. Some of you may have one. I'm not against family Bibles. But I would see that big old family Bible sitting on the coffee table opened up. It hadn't been, a page hadn't been turned since 1957. They didn't even remember the first family member to get the thing. And I want to tell you what that Bible is on that table. It is absolutely a useless decoration that somebody has to pick up, dust off, and move around. It ain't nothing holy about that until you begin to digest it. And you begin, it, it's nothing but trees that have been cut down, shaved thin, and words written on the paper that when you begin to access it into your life, it becomes power to you. It begins to be one of you. It begins to give you discernment in your life. God wants you to become one with His Word. We, we can't become a growing church because we have the best programs, the best music, the best pastor's wife, any of that stuff. We'll become a growing church because we become one with God's Word individually. And we become, as we do that, we become well-equipped soldiers in God's army. You see, when I understand the promises of God's Word, then I begin to recognize that I can stand in the face of anything. When I don't understand the trial that I'm going through, I just the sword becomes part of me, and I begin to say many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. When it looks like a flood is about to overtake me but I, my sword says oh the waters shall not overtake me when despair and depression try to come in I begin to quote my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and I understand that Christ died for me and brings peace that passes all understanding 
Because I'm one with the sword. When my mind wanders and dwells on the calamity of the day we live in, my sword reminds me that I'm just a sojourner here. That this world is not my home. But there's a name it's written down in glory. And guess what? It's mine. And the Bible says that he's gone to prepare a place for me. Not only is he gone to prepare a place, but he's coming again to receive me unto himself. So when I begin to look at the world in which I live, I don't have to get distressed. I don't have to be perplexed. I understand that in this world, there's going to be trouble. In this world, the enemy may try his best hand, but I serve a God who's an overcomer. I serve a Savior who is Jesus Christ that died on the cross for my sins. And I want to tell you today that God wants us to realize that we need to be a church that stands and defends the harvest. There's going to be times that you're going to have to stand even though you feel like you're alone. There's going to be times can I just tell you something this morning? You may call me with a distressing situation. And I love praying with you and loving on you, but I want to tell you, most of the time, I'm not going to have the answer. But the answer is always here. And when we become a church that recognizes that the power of God's Word, that it, this sword, Matthew says, God's Word is like a two-edged sword that pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, even into the joints and marrow, into the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The sword divides and conquers everything in your life. Even though you may feel alone. Even though you may feel like a misfit. There are many people that spend their entire Christian walk feeling like they can never really accomplish anything for God because of their past. And I want to tell you that is a lie from the enemy because God's words tells me that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who have believed on Jesus Christ. Once I've been washed in His blood, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday or the week before. The Bible tells me that He wiped my slate clean. He cast my sins as far as the east is from the west. He redeemed me from the curse of the law. And I can be victorious through Him. Eric, if you'd come. We've got to be a church that stands and defends. As a pastor, if I'm going to stand and defend, I can't, I can't worry every time if we have a function about, and listen, I'm just telling you this because this is what pastors do. Any of them tell you they don't do this, they're telling you a story. But we didn't have but so many, we didn't have but 13 show up for such and such. You know what? I don't answer for those that didn't show up. I'm called to stand and defend the harvest.
well, Pastor, I'd like to, I, I, I really feel called that I, I need, I, I, I could do this, but I don't, I don't think I, stand and defend the harvest. Stand and defend the harvest. Why is that so important? Is because what, what I want to see at Life Fellowship Half, half full this morning. I, I want to see the other half of these seats filled with sinners that are part of a latter-day harvest. The harvest is worth defending. And maybe you're in here this morning and you don't feel like that you could do anything for the Lord. Maybe you've missed it. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you feel like you're someone that's missed your opportunity. I want to tell you today, God is giving you an opportunity to say, you can stand and you can defend the harvest today. doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Maybe you're somebody that you felt like you were pulling the load all by yourself. Maybe the enemy's tried to convince you that you haven't done something right because you're feeling all alone. Can I tell you, that's just a lie from the enemy. You can stand and defend the harvest. If we become a church that's willing to stand and defend the harvest, we'll be a full church. We'll be a growing church. We'll be a healthy church. The last command that Jesus gave the disciples before entering heaven. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. What is that? It says, I just preach Christ and Him crucified. That sums it all up. Preach Christ and Him crucified. Can I say you something this morning? Jesus is calling us. God's calling us today at Life Fellowship to be a church that will stand and defend. Even if if you feel like you're you're by yourself in what you're doing, God said just stand and defend. I thought about something as I read through this text last night. The Bible says that after the battle was over, how all the men came back. Maybe if you would just stand and defend, you'll draw a crowd. Eleazar stood and defended. He drew a crowd just because he stood his ground and defended the heart. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphurst.org. Thank you and God bless.